On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Katie Darrell, host of the Top 10 Revealed on Access TV, and you are listening to Stephen and Hollywood on the Grown Up Rock Podcast. Meow. Tonight on the Growing Up Rock podcast, we've got a special guest from Access TV, Top 10 Revealed. We're inviting Katie Darrell onto the show to discuss some of her career highlights, as well as some major rock albums that were released in 1982 and celebrating their 40th anniversary. Hollywood, what's happening with you, dude? Uh, I'm traveling, man. I'm back on the plane, going to places, so... Not just in the San Francisco Bay anymore, so that's all good. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Katie because there's not very many people out there basically flying the flag for rock, right? And Access TV's trying. They they kind of mix it in with just all 80s and 90s music kind of thing. But you know what? I'll take it. It's better than nothing, that's for sure. And every once in a while, Access TV like has a concert and stuff, too, so that's cool. Yeah, Access TV does a lot of cool stuff. I wish I had Access TV. We can't get it with our cable provider. I think you know, there's certain cable providers that provide it. The ones we use do not provide it. And I also think it's a, um, a satellite thing. I would love to have Access TV for Sammy Hagar's Rock and Road show, I think it's called or whatever. But I watched a few episodes of that. I really enjoy it. And uh, the Top Ten Revealed with Katie Darrell is also a pretty cool show where they are basically doing a lot of what we do here at the Grown Up Rock podcast. And they have top ten lists and themes and just various different things. They might even be looking at uh, some of our themed episodes because some of their episodes are very close to what we do. We probably have a better shot that we're looking at them, but that's not what we're doing because we were there first. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, those shows are great. I've watched a lot of Access. Daryl Hall has his show on there for a while. His show's moved on a couple of different networks. I think they play reruns of that kind of stuff. They don't have like the MTV and the VH1 classic stuff because that belongs obviously to other people. So they don't really have that kind of stuff. But they're doing a little bit of their own I don't actually mind that it's not all rock or all pop or all hip hop because 
you know, us being MTV kids, we grew up with all that stuff anyway. So I don't mind like this top 10 thing. There's like members of NSYNC and members of Backstreet Boys and members of Black Eyed Peas talking about it. I'm like, I don't think I care. Right. I think it's cool. Yeah, it is. And we're going to get into all this stuff with Katie Daryl here soon. But, you know, before we get too deep into this episode, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from a band called Edge of Forever. This band features Alessandro Del Vecchio. It's another Frontiers band. This is his main band, right? I mean, this is kind of his project, even more so than Hardline, right? Yeah, this is his thing because he's the vocalist. I don't think he's the vocalist in many other bands, at least none that I know of. Right. And they've got a new album coming out. And I think this is the first single that they've released off that album. It's called Shift the Paradigm. Check it out. Just to play what we don't 
okay, so one thing, now we don't know if this happens or not. We're guessing a little bit, right? But because Alessandro Dovecchi was involved in a lot of frontier stuff, my guess is he's constantly pitching songs to these bands, right? And some stuff makes a cut, some stuff doesn't. This song, I like it. It is straight up Revolution Saints. He even sounds like Dean Castro was singing this song, yeah. right? So I'm like, I got a feeling either this got pitched and didn't get there, or Revolution Saints isn't ready to do the next album. He has a great song. He's not going to wait. Well, and they just now uh, released a second single off this record at the time of us recording this, and it's straight up rock, too. So I'm curious to see where this record falls, because the last record, uh, which you turned me on to because you discovered them and turned me on to them, I think they made your top 10 list the year before last, maybe. It was a good record, but it was a mixture of really melodic rock and a little bit of hard rock. What I've heard off this new record thus far is straight up rocking. So I don't know where this record's going to fall. I just now got the stream of the full album, but I haven't had any time to spend with it yet. So all I've going off of are the two singles that I've been handed thus far. Yeah, and I like this song better than the second single. They're both good, but I like this song a little bit better. And where I heard Dean in his voice was during the vocal phrasing, right? Like every once in a while, you're closing your eyes like, oh, my God, because I had not known that they were releasing a new album, right? I don't know how we missed this news. Like, I, I don't even know what to say about it anymore. Like, we're looking for new music and we're missing stuff. That means it's just too hard to get it all, but whatever. So I didn't even know there was a new thing coming out. So when I listened to it today... I'm like, is he not singing anymore? Is this a bunch of, you know, people helping him on the vocals? Because that sounds like Dean. Then when I did some research that they're releasing the album and, you know, a couple of people had already reviewed it and they're like, no, it's all Alessandro. And I'm like, oh, well, he's picked up a lot of the vocal phrase in there. I like that the first two singles are rocking. And so I like both singles. And so I'm curious to spend a little bit more time with this record and find out what the whole record is about. But I'm on board if it's uh, more like these uh, first two releases. I'm definitely ready to go with that. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook. At Growing Up Rock. All right, so welcome to the Growing Up Rock podcast, Katie Darrell. How are you? I'm really good. How are you guys? We are doing wonderful. So, Katie, a lot of times we like to focus on new music on the Growing Up Rock podcast. We just did a Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. What are your thoughts on the future of rock music? And are there any newer bands that are catching your attention that you're into? You know, great question. I love new music. I love discovering new music. I don't think rock and roll is dead. I know that there's a lot of people who are like, it'll never be what it was. I agree with that part. Listen, the 70s rock, you can't match that because it was a different magical time and the access to music was different back then, right? I mean, radio was the only place where you could really find new music unless it was like a buddy's garage band down the street. But now, you know, everyone can record their stuff, put it out there digitally, and you just get inundated with new music. So it's hard to, like, go through and wade through the masses. Whereas in the 70s, they were like, let me introduce you to a little something that's good. Uh, here, let me drop the needle here on this Zeppelin album. You're like, oh, okay. And, you know, so someone was curating it a lot better. New music that I'm into these days, uh, I know it sounds a little cheesy, but I probably I don't even know if I say their name right. But is it Mainskin or Manskin? They do that cover, Beggin. It's M-A-N-E. S-K-I-N. So that's Main Skin. They do a cover of the song Beggin by Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. I did not even know this was a cover 
that's how different and how much they owned it. You know, I was like, something about this is kind of familiar. And then like, I like kind of typed it in. I was like, this is a full on cover and they owned it and they're great and it's rock and roll. And I love it. It's just kind of like the first time um, I heard like the darkness and I was like, oh, this is cool. You're doing something. You're doing something. Yeah. What's interesting is there's a ton of bands in Europe, right? And 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know, whether you got MTV, whether you got radio, they're kind of letting us hear stuff from Britain and all that. Now, there's no way a Swedish band can get to you unless you go look for it. And it's a shame because there's some great ones. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So this is interesting that this band, it's, they're an import band and they're, they're breaking like all these records in the US and that's unheard of these days. Um, but I love music and it is nice when something surprises you like that. I mean, you originally started out as a DJ, right? I did. So this is an interesting story. So I actually first started out as a kids radio station DJ. I was 15 years old and there was, this was before like Disney radio even existed, you guys. And so it was a station called Kids 740 AM in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And essentially uh, it was a national kids radio station and they play like, you know, all the bopping hits, right? But then each local market kind of took over like the three to 5 PM like drive time slot. And so then there would be a main DJ who was the adult, this like 28 year old guy named Matt Miller. And then each day there was a different kid that kind of co-hosted with him. I think I was the Wednesday kid. I was also the oldest kid. I think the other kids were like 11 or 12 and I was 15. So he taught me how to run the board and do all of the tech stuff in the station. Selfishly, because his wife was about to have a baby and he knew he was going to take some days off and he wanted me to cover his shifts <laughs> and do it for free. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And so that's kind of how I learned how to run the board. And I learned how to like record things and cut like reel to reel tapes and, you know, use all the old school stuff because it wasn't digital like that back then. And then I think it was that summer I turned 16 and got my driver's license. And our sister radio station was 96.9 FM, the greatest hit. So the 60s, 70s and the 80s in Phoenix. And they said, you know, do you want to come do promotions and be the promotions girl? And so I started working the promotions department. And I think towards my senior year of high school, they, the Saturday night shift opened up over there, the eight to midnight on Saturdays. And they gave that to me. And so I got into radio and I got, got into classic rock. I mean, I, I grew up enjoying classic rock. You know, my parents played great stuff in our house, but they didn't do a lot of deep dives. You know, I mean, it was like, listen, there's a lot of Simon and Garfunkel. And then, oh, now Paul Simon has this solo thing and it's Graceland. And so they were very specific in their lanes. Uh, and when I was then getting to jog at a classic rock station, I was all of a sudden, I'm like, Steppenwolf, what's that? When you say bopping hits, are you talking about in sync or are you talking about like Veggie Tales, Veggie Tales? Like you know, it was more, no, it was like Smash Mouth, you know, might as well oh, yeah. be walking on the sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you obviously have an affinity for classic rock. Yeah. I'm sure your parents shared a lot of those classic rock albums with you, but what was, do you remember what your first like classic rock album you bought was? Oh, oh God. The first one I bought. That's interesting. Um, you got to remember, I'm a little bit younger. So like when we start talking about first things that I bought, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's considered classic rock, but it's not really like classic rock. It wasn't a Zeppelin or a Pink Floyd. Uh, it wasn't even like Iron Maiden or something like that. But I mean, I think I started spending my money on things like you uh, 2 Rattle and Hum, and Octune Baby. And so I know that those are now considered classic rock, but I don't consider it classic rock. What was the stuff that hooked you, though? Was there the Maiden or the Van Halen? The Beatles were my gateway drug. And I think I would tell the tale no other way, you know, because they are the epitome of rock and roll. Sonny loves them. <laughs> 
sure, Twist and Shout, that was cool, but that's not like what I, I actually had to find the older Beatles stuff right. like on my own. What we listened to was a lot of Sgt. Pepper's in our house, a lot of the White Album. You know, I, I, I remember just like driving with my dad and hearing like, you know, why don't we do it in the road? And I was like, what? I think they might be talking about S E. <laughs> <laughs> my dad God love him. in so much trouble when mom finds out that we were driving down the highway in our van listening to a sex song <laughs> that happens right now so my wife was into some of the hip-hop stuff that was uh around in the late 80s 90s right and she'd always just listen to the beat that was what got her right got her yeah. dancing so when we had the kids and the kids were growing up and she's listening to these songs in the car i'm like you don't have a clue what they're saying oh, to you. Push it. Push <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> or it wasn't me. I'm like, babe, me. that isn't what you think you that is. Come red handed <laughs> That's a whole episode for Top 10 Revealed is songs and their true meanings. So we actually, believe it or not, uh, and thank you for bringing it back to the Top 10 Revealed. So the Top 10 Revealed on Nexus TV every Sunday at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Uh, each list is different, right? And we count down these 10 lists, uh, 10 songs on the list. And we have celebrity guests that come in and, and talk and comment as well. So it's not just my voiceover. And I don't pick the lists. The lists are voted by the viewers. And we can dive into that later if you want. But what, right now, we're in the middle of season four, right? But we are already filming for season five, which will be our spring season. One of the lists that we have coming up, uh, and I don't think I've told this to anyone yet, so it's an exclusive. Add in sound effects. Oh, exclusive. <laughs> uh, we are doing a top 10 songs that make you blush list. We thought about calling it kinky songs, but I was like, they're not necessarily kinky because some of them are just like love making songs. But when you listen oh, to the, the lyrics, you're just like, okay, I can't believe someone like, what was it? Was it like, I want to lick you up and down tonight, girl. I want to get free oh. with you. And like, <laughs> yeah. you listen silk. to the lyrics. It's by Silk. Them. I love yeah, that. Yeah, And you think of that moment of being, you know, driving home after soccer practice and your mom's driving you and it comes on and you're just like, oh my God, like, uh, oh yeah, so I can't coach today, said. And like, you start awkward talking, you're thinking like she needs to change this channel and what's going on. And uh, so that's why we kind of named it like songs that make you blush. It may not personally make you blush, but if you were in a situation, because a song like Silk, you guys, think about it. Okay, here's one for you. That's like a smooth R&B jam. That's like elevator music now. Like there's a chance that could come on when you are at your dentist's office. Like there's a chance and that would suck. <laughs> Depends on the dentist. <laughs> well, that's true. Oh my gosh, my old dentist was a not old. She was a hot Russian lady that wore black leather pants, and she was me. She'd be like, "Open your mouth," and that's like, <laughs> I don't have this dentist anymore. My husband still goes there, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lost. 
it's refreshing to hear the job that you have, mm-hmm. that you are an actual music fan, right? Because at times it's like, these folks have these jobs. How'd they get these jobs? Because music fans should have these jobs. And it's refreshing to hear that. Uh, well, that's not the case. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Especially in this day of television, you know, where they like, they just want to get like a celebrity host to do something. You're like, they're just reading a prompter and they don't really enjoy. I will say, obviously, my knowledge like has increased tenfold since doing the show because I always liked the music and I enjoyed it. And I could be like, oh, I love that because this guitar solo coming up is pretty rad. or I love that beat. But now I get to say that and then also drop a weird fact. I'll be like, did you know that he wrote this at his mother-in-law's house right when he was filing divorce papers? And you're just like, this is crazy. Now, I know when you do these top 10 reveal shows, you have like a fleet or a staff of researchers. And I would just like to put out there that Sonny and I are really the only two people that you need to do that research. You can just text (laughs) us and we'll give you all the facts and insights on some of these bands and probably a lot more that you probably wouldn't even be able to dig up because, you know, a lot of the people we hang out with are total geeks uh, and deep dives into a lot of this stuff. And that's what we need because the truth of the matter is, is next season, so season five, which will be in the spring, we're going to hit our 100th episode, right? And so there are, obviously there's multiple songs that have been featured on multiple lists. Like I feel like, I think Purple Rain, for instance, if I have to talk about Purple Rain one, one more time, ooh, I love the song, but I think I might hate the song now because it's been on our list about songs named after colors, Purple Rain. Our Rain songs list, Purple Rain. 80s movie soundtrack, soundtrack. Purple Rain, right? And so some of those songs, it's weird because like you try to tell a new fact and it is hard to be like, I I can't come up with anything. So you have to go on these weird things to be like, oh, sure, it was, you know, written by Prince in such and such year. But now you almost have to be like, that's also the year that the Rubik's Cube was invented. You know what I mean? Like we have to do some of those things to make some of the songs still interesting. While other songs that have like never been featured before, like our episode right after New Year's, it's running songs. And it's not like ones that get you motivated to run. It's ones that literally have the word run in it, like running with the devil and run to the hills from Iron Maiden. Like we've never talked about that song before. So it was like one of those things where there's a plethora of information and you want to just spend, you know, six minutes talking about that one song versus, well, running with the devil has been on like three other lists. So you don't want to do as much, but you have to share the time equally and yada, yada. I digress. How do you consume your music today? Like personally, how do you consume it? Are you a streamer? Do you have CDs or albums? How do you consume your music? I love the old school radio. I'm a radio girl. You know, having grown up in radio, I love getting in my car. I don't I don't even have satellite in my car. I get in my car and I put on the local station wherever I am, even if I'm traveling. I like hearing the local jock talk to me, even if it is a syndicated jock and they've like recut it to be like Tampa, Des Moines, you know, whatever. Um, I just like the feel of listening to music from someone giving it to me in my own town. But don't you feel limited in your intake when you're hearing the same three songs over and over by the same bands? Because that's really what the problem with radio is. Sure, sure. I understand that. I guess I need to clarify. I work from home and I have a six-year-old and I don't travel very far in the car. You know, we walk to and from school. Had you asked me this question three years ago before, you know, we started doing the Top 10 Reveal, the answer would be different. But I think now, like in the pandemic, it's just it's just changed. My life has changed, you know, being a mom of a kindergartner, working from home and doing this music show. I can't really put a lot of music on in the background when I'm, I'm writing. I'm kind of OCD like that. So I like silence when I write and type and like do research. 
Um, it's mostly like when I'm cleaning or something that, yeah, I'll, I'll like be like, okay, Google play such and such. And so I'll, I'll listen in that sort of way. But oddly, when I'm doing weird things around the house and I do put on background music, you guys would kill me if I told you what I was listening to. I like put on like Michael McDonald and I'm like, put on Yacht Rock. And I fold There's nothing wrong with And I'm like, I keep talking when I'm loving Y'all going to be there. If I Yamo got to hear that song <laughs> one more time, Yamo going to kill somebody. <laughs> I love Michael. McDonald. Because <laughs> I do get in day with so much classic rock doing the top 10 reveal that, yeah, sometimes I have to take a break and just go, go to something else. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. MTV, you know, whether you were waiting for Run to the Hills, I was lit, waiting for Heaven Tonight by Momstein or whatever, you had to sit through Michael McDonald and, you know, Belinda Carlisle and uh-huh. the next Madonna song. So I'm a fan of all of that stuff. Sure. And it's really MTV's and fault. Round and round. I love Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> That album, when I was little, I remember I was probably like in maybe, God, like maybe second grade when her solo album came out with Circle in the Sand and Heaven is a Place on Earth. And the cover, she's lounging like on like three stairs and like kind of laid out like a pinup, but she's in these black, what we would call now yoga pants, but they're just like black stretchy pants. And she's like in a black shirt with like this black belt around her. And I was just mesmerized by this. And I thought this is the prettiest woman I've ever seen. And so then I like went into my closet and found like black sweatpants and my black like leotard from ballet class and put that on and went to my mom's closet and like curated my first like outfit that like my mom didn't dress me in. And like I came out dressed as Belinda Carlisle. And I just remember like everyone. It was like you could like if someone was eating, they probably dropped a fork. Like they were just like, Katie's doing something over there. And it was just so I guess music inspires in a lot of different ways. So we talked about you starting out as a DJ. You also mm-hmm. spent time at MTV, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked at MTV during the presidential election of 2000. Um, and this was when they were doing really big into the whole Rock the Vote and Choose or Lose show. And so I was assigned to covering uh, John McCain. And so I got to ride on the Straight Talk Express. Um, I was with McCain when he won in New Hampshire, uh, the primary there, and flew on his plane with him down to South Carolina. Plane pulled into the hangar, I remember, and there was just confetti cannons going off. And it was just a big party and just so extravagant and really fun. Um, And it was just a really interesting experience to get to see politics from that side of things because, you know, I, I wasn't a political journalist, you know? I mean, I was a broadcast major from Arizona State University. I was studying at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I got hired to go, you know, do this year at MTV. And it was really a cool experience. And I got to do TRL a couple of times and like, you know, do the news and fill in for Dave Holmes when he was unavailable. And it was a wild ride. And it prepped you for, I guess, ending up ultimately at Access TV at Mark Cuban's network yeah. there. How did that come about? The timeline is, is interesting. So I actually, you know, as, as we said, I started out in radio, right? So I was doing radio um, as I was going to school at Arizona State. Um, by that time, I was then being, I was the morning show producer for two guys, the Ron and Don show. And there was a female sidekick that they had with them named Jackie. And then I got the MTV job. And so I went to New York and I knew it was only going to be a year because it was specific for this presidential election thing. And that ended. And at the same time, uh, Ron and Don got fired from radio in Phoenix, as all good jocks do. Like, you're only good if you get fired, is my opinion. And um, they moved to Texas. And they their, their female co-host uh, didn't go with. Uh, she had a family and everything. And so they said, hey, do you want to come to Texas and, you know, be on air and also produce double duties? We're not going to pay you double, but you could do both jobs if you'd like. And I was like, sure, absolutely. So I went there and we were doing shock jock radio. So there was no music. It was 
was back when all those FM talk stations were around. So it went like the Howard Stern show and then the Ron and Don show with Katie, the chicken charge. And we were in Texas and did all that. And we were on air for about 11 months. Then we got fired as all good jocks do. (laughs) And Mark Cuban at that time was starting his HD net, the world's first high definition TV network. And I remember I was going into a grocery store and I ran into one of the sales guys from the radio station. And so after we'd been let go, he's like, oh, hey, good to see you. Oh, I should have told you. I, I heard that they, they were doing this casting and looking for someone to be a female co-host with Mark Cuban for a TV show that he's doing called The Mark Cuban Show that's going to be on like CBS and UPN local in Dallas, but then simulcast on his new high definition channel, which I bumped into last week, you know, but I think they already hired someone. I cold called the executive producer and left a voicemail saying, I think you hired someone and I assure you, you've hired the wrong person. <laughs> and he called me back and sent me out to do like a field package piece. And I was hired and sitting next to Mark Cuban three days later. Wow. And so I started co-hosting this Mark Cuban show with him. And it was there that, you know, I started to learn more about HDNet and about like the third or fourth episode. I was like, I have an idea for a rock and roll show. Can I have a show on your network where I go and interview bands and show their concert? He said, sure. And we did about 250 episodes of that. It was called True Music. It was the first sponsored show on air at HDNet, sponsored by Budweiser. And um, I've been with HDNet slash Access TV since about 2001. The network used to be called HDNet and then they merged and, you know, brought in investors and whatnot. And then it changed its name to Access TV about eight or nine years ago. See, in a previous life, I think Katie Darrell might have been a lead singer. Did you hear the moxie she had, Sonny, when she said, you hired the wrong person, I assure yeah. you. She went in there and she was sure of herself. <laughs> I was young and cocky. Um, I would say I, I did have a lot of moxie then. I'm not sure I would ha- do that now because I've had too many people do that to me now. Like when I used to, I had a different show on Access TV before this one. It was called The World's Greatest Tribute Bands. And each week we showed a different tribute band and they were live from the Sunset Strip from the Whiskey A Go-Go and everything. And so it'd be like the world's best like Van Halen tribute and Poison tribute and Led Zeppelin tribute. And as I was curating the bands and picking them, I would then like get an email from someone being like, you picked the wrong band or we are the best. And I'd be like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me. <laughs> so now <laughs> I actually, I actually hate the young version of myself that did that. Cause I'm like, don't do that. You're so annoying. See, Sonny and I essentially did that to you when you came on the show, because we were like, you're not going to have as much fun talking to other podcasts. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> By golly, is, uh, you're right. <laughs> is Cuban a metalhead? What kind of music? Does he listen to metal? No, no, no. Uh, he listens to a lot of like the hip hop and stuff. Like he's he's with the basketball oh, players yeah. in the locker room. So whatever yeah. like stuff they're listening to, that's what he listens to. So I know these two things. One is at his wedding at his reception. Um, Sammy Hagar played, so he loves oh. Hagar. And then obviously Sammy Hagar went on to have a TV show on Access TV, um, the Rock and Roll Road Trip with Sammy Hagar. And I know that when he made his first billions, not the millions, I think it was when he did make his billions, he threw a backyard party and hired John Cougar to play in the back. And I always find that so fascinating because, I mean, I like John Cougar. Like, seems like a cool guy. And like Jack and Diane, like, this, these are good little diggies. But it just doesn't seem to fit Mark. And so I just can't ever see Mark, like, rocking out to John Cougar. I'm dying to know the backstory. Like, how did you really, like, pick John Cougar? Here's a hot take. If Sonny and I had a billion dollars and were able to hire somebody to play our backyard barbecue, it would probably, A, be a band that would not cost near as much as John Cougar and B, probably a band most people hadn't heard of. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it wouldn't cost him one. 
Yeah, um, exactly. You still be on a budget. You're a budget band. Yeah, Katie, you were talking about this tribute band thing, and I used to watch the show. I thought it was a great show. Oh, thank you. Uh, but we're all we're always talking about on this podcast, like at what point does the actual real band become a tribute band? I'm sure yes. you've heard of like foreigners got no original members left. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. That was one of the things, one of the arguments of why, you know, the world's greatest tribute band was such a good show because exactly like so many of these bands, you know, have rotating members that don't, you know, weren't in the band to begin with. And then they don't even rehearse as much as the tribute bands because the tribute bands, you know, take it so seriously. They rehearse and they play more frequently. They usually have every weekend gig. So they, you know, are playing, you know, 48 gigs at least a year. Whereas some of these bands, you know, take off two or three years and then hit the road again for 60 dates and then don't talk to each other for another two years, rotate in three new members and all that stuff. So I think that there is a big argument that there's a lot of classic rock bands out there that are tribute bands themselves. But you know what? They get to use the logo. So they got that. It's not about the music. It's about who owns the brand name. Yeah. But I will say, and there are some, though, that are, I mean, listen, Foreigner is a great example. Uh, Jeff Pilsen, bass guitarist yeah. from uh, Foreigner, is on the Top Ten Revealed all the time. He's been with us since, I think, season one. But I mean, listen, he's been with Foreigner since, like, 1980, like, four or six or something. <laughs> like, So I feel like it's it's not like he just walked up, you know, last week with a new drummer and a new guitarist. So, I mean, these guys are put in the time. Listen, Foreigner is the one band that I can think of that everybody kind of talks about as being sort of a basic tribute band when Mick Jones isn't there. But Foreigner also, with Kelly Hansen and Pilsen and those guys, they're so damn good. I go see them just about every year. I mean, Pilsen is basically the musical director of that band now. And Kelly Hansen has been in Foreigner for, I don't know, what, 25 years? now or plus did you see them at the macy's day parade this year i didn't see um, that yeah yeah they're great they're so damn good live i mean he's so good so kelly hansen also was on the top 10 revealed one season so apparently i, I stalked the guys on foreigner <laughs> <laughs> apparently either that or you like the uh old metal creed with uh the guys from docking and hurricane right yeah 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 that's- <laughs> oh my god we had don docking on twice two different seasons that guy is an interesting cat. Really? <laughs> yes. Do tell. I love, oh, he was such a hard nut to crack. And he took things so seriously. But it's like almost like he was forcing himself to take things seriously and stay in a character. And like was like purposely like, I'm not going to have fun. or give, Like, I felt like he was trying not to have fun on purpose because he was trying to stay in, in a character. But I could see through him. Like, he's a really cool guy. And it was a really hard interview, which shouldn't be because it's not a hard show right i'm just asking what do you like about this song and it was a really hard interview dare i even say painful but i he worked so well in the edits and worked you know against like the crazy personality of a sebastian bob that i was like i'm having this guy back again and i thought for sure he'd say no because he you know it just seemed like he was not enjoying himself sure as heck he said yes and he came back and he was a little bit more laid back and everything he fell into the trust tree um i like him so very much yeah he's a pretty serious guy but i'll tell you there was interviews and he takes credit for it because that's who he is but uh in 89, they're in Japan, they're doing some interviews, and there's new technology coming out. And he talks about this technology is scary because people are going to start pirating music and bands are not going to be able to sell albums if this technology takes off. He called it like an 89. So Smart. Most of these rockers are really smart. A lot of people make jokes that they're just like, oh, these hair metal band guys, and they're dumb, and they, their brains are fried from rock and roll. I mean, sure, obviously, yeah, some of them. But I mean... <laughs> Dee Snyder is a musical genius. He's so smart. He's so intelligent. Sebastian Bach, like he has so much information in that brain of his. 
He's also so tall. I mean, that guy's like 6'6". He's a giant. It's amazing. He like definitely commands a room when he walks into it. But I mean, all these rockers are just so smart. Tell the truth, Katie. You have to reel in Bach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bach, Bach, uh, you use the phrase of like, it's like herding kittens. You're like, oh, wait, come back here, come back here. He'll go off on a tangent, but they're such fun tangents. And yeah. his enthusiasm is so big. And his voice is like, I could listen to him talk all day, like, I'll defy you. And he just has really great stories. But you know what? He is a soundbite king. And I think that he's now done the show so many times that he has realized, like, to keep it short and sweet. But the, the first time, Time, you know, I definitely was like, oh, this guy's telling me a whole story when I just need a sentence. Well, anytime I do these interviews and talk about the top 10 revealed, I naturally always name drop Sebastian Bach and Dee Snyder and Lita Ford and Carney Wilson because they are some of my favorites. But it's weird now because we have like a whole like Rolodex of like almost like 40 different people that we can call on to do the show. And I would hate to ever say one of them was my favorite because they're yeah. so great. You have anybody that you're not going to call <laughs> ever again? Don't there are people not called back. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you, people like Carney Wilson, and you've got a good group of like these guest hosts, they can't take themselves seriously because some of the topics you're talking about aren't supposed to be serious, right? So it's really cool that you have the right people. I take a lot of time and effort to figure that out because so so for those of you that have never seen the top 10 reveal, you know, you know, there's 10 songs obviously on the list. It's a top 10 list. And th- for this season that's currently happening, we have 15 new episodes. So that's 150 songs. So we had to film over eight days, approximately five people per day. So about 40 people, right? Each interview is only an hour long. It's just like, you know, film next person. It's just this assembly line of people. And I, when they get in the chair, they don't get to pick their songs. I mean, I tell them in advance, these are the 11 songs that you're going to talk about that are sprinkled, like two from this list, three from this list, four from this list, two from this list, right? And I sprinkle them to make sure that the season looks good, that if you see D. Snyder on episode one, you maybe will see him on two, but then you won't see him again on number five again. And so I, it's this beautiful mind Jenga Tetris game happening in my house with post-it notes. It's really glamorous. And I do, I have to, like, if it's a new guest, I put them on safer lists, because I want to get them to fall into the trust tree and not be like, what? This is weird. It's hokey. What do you mean? We're talking about murder songs. I don't like murder. And I don't want to have to explain to them. No, we're not really saying we like murder. It's just a funny Halloween episode. And it's things like, you know, I shot the sheriff. I try not to put people on lists that would scare them their first time. Once they figure out the show, then they come back and I'm like, we're going to talk about murder songs. And they're like, oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, But I also like to make sure it's not the obvious. Like every time we talk about Iron Maiden, I don't want Dee Snyder. I want Dee Snyder to talk about Sinatra because that's interesting. That's a great take. And and that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Have Carney Wilson talk about Iron Maiden. That's funny. Mm hmm. I think we had her talking about, we have, again, in the new year, we have our top 10 running songs and Van Halen running with the devils on there. And, you know, I assigned that to her. You know, she's a product uh, of that generation, right? So I'm sure she grew up loving, you know, listening to Van Halen in high school and everything. She's also expressed to me that she hates exercise. So I thought, okay, it's going to be funny to put her on the running list because she's going to be like, no one should be running. Like, we should all like walk at a brisk pace anywhere, even if it's from the devil. But yeah, her being like talking about running with the devil I think the whole like beginning of the segment is her just going, oh, 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 this song, oh, 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 just making sound effects. It just like it triggered something in her. And I, I, that's one of the things I really like about the show. That's great. Well, you know, our show and Top 10 Reveal really 
has a lot in common. In the past, we've done top 10 songs by various bands. We've done top 10 rock VHS tapes, top 10 war and peace songs, songs about numbers, songs about colors, cover songs, love-hate songs. And you guys have done a lot of different things like rocking around the Christmas tree and uh, smooth and soulful with saxy songs. And Oh, my, our saxophone episode could be one of my favorites because, it, like, first, this, the song's all rock, and it got all the guests really excited. They lit up like a Christmas tree the minute I was like, okay, we're going on to the next list. It's saxophone songs. People love the saxophone or love to pretend that they do at least because everyone just went wild for it. And then like the ladies all would make like wiener jokes and stuff. It was hilarious. Yeah, the difference between our show and your show is that, well, it's only Sonny and I giving our opinions most of the time. And it's mostly bands that probably the majority of the public hadn't heard of unless you're a really deep rock fan. (laughs) Who's listening to this thing? Is anyone even listening to us right now? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, oddly enough, people tune in to listen. It's it's uh, interesting <laughs> from all over the place. <laughs> yeah, because of our uh, listeners, you might get a call saying, oh, you got to do top 10 Swedish rock bands. <laughs> yeah. You would be surprised. I get so many emails with people suggesting new lists to us. Uh, I also get a lot of emails from people telling me that we got the list wrong and that we suck, uh, <laughs> which is always nice. And I kindly remind them that I don't pick the list. The viewers do. They vote upon it. So this is why voting counts. If you want your voice to be heard, then please get to the polls. So yeah, it's uh, it's fun. The, the emails that do come in, it's, uh, you know, I get a lot of fun suggestions. Someone suggested just the other day, we need to do top 10 songs about eyes or with eyes in it, like Brown Eyed Girl. Um, Betty Davis Oz. Hey, Davis eyes, smoke gets in my eyes. I'm like, all right, let me think about this. Eyes of a stranger, Queen's right. Yes, yes. Well, I haven't seen the best boy bands episodes yet because it comes out January 30th. But if NSYNC doesn't win, you'll be getting an email from me. Noted, noted.
an episode that just recently premiered, which was um, celebrates the 40th anniversary of the best debut albums of 1982. And this was a couple of weeks ago when this episode debuted. So we thought that it might be fun to maybe go through rock albums that were released in 1982, a handful of rock albums that were released because they're celebrating 40 years this year, right? Right, of course, yeah. And then when Sonny and I looked at this list of albums released in 1982, we're like, that's a pretty damn impressive list of albums because there's some iconic albums on that list. So you game to go through some of these? Absolutely. Let's do it. And we're just talking about, you know, you like it, maybe you owned it, maybe you never heard of it, maybe you love the band, who knows. Okay. But, uh, first one we want to talk about Aerosmith, Rock in a Hard Place. It's their seventh album. This is the one with uh, Rock in a Hard Place on. Did yeah, you ever yeah. own this album? I didn't own it. Always a fan of Steven Tyler. I mean, his voice and his vocals, uh, the way he can control them is so impressive. What a great Cinderella story, right? I mean, to be big, disappear, and then have the resurgence, you know, thanks to uh, Run DMC, right? Uh, I didn't own the album, but, you know, totally respect them. We haven't seen the episode yet, the 82 episode that you guys released, because we're recording this before that, but it's possible Billy Idol's debut album ended up on that. Great album, right? I'm assuming you own this one. Billy Idol, self-titled Billy Idol. Great. I mean, woo, that guy is sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Those music videos, I mean, like, thank goodness MTV was around because boy, oh boy, those visuals. This is the one with White Wedding on it, right? Yep, White Wedding. Yeah, Um, yeah. that lip curl and everything about him was just so sexy. And for that to be his debut album, pretty strong way to come out of the gates. Shotgun It's a 
an album this year was his third album emotions in motion I mean, you remember everybody wants you emotions in motion you remember this album yes absolutely remember it you said it was his third album huh yeah wow it was uh the follow-up to don't say no he had all the success in the world with don't say no so this was a big follow-up for him hashtag me too can't name an album that anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> Yay, billy billy <laughs> No, we're going to have to reissue that and change the name. You are allowed to say no. <laughs> Next one, fourth album by Eddie Money, No Control. This is the one that had Shaken and Think I'm in Love. 
I love Eddie Money. Eddie Money uh, was on two seasons of the Top 10 Revealed. Uh, thankfully, he did the show because he had his reality show on Access TV with his family. And that guy is as nice, as charming, and funny as everyone says. I mean, truly, I mean, dad jokes out the wazoo. This guy just like a zinger machine. And I miss him. And his kids are really talented, too. You know, his son, Dez, uh, is a musician and just released some music and his daughter, Jesse, is a great singer. Eddie Money. I own some Eddie Money stuff from back in the day. I think cassette tapes, though. I talked about this album on one of our previous episodes, Hollywood. This is one of my 12 cassette selections that I got from Columbia House for a penny. Oh, I love Columbia House for a penny. <laughs> and then you use a different address, your neighbor's address. <laughs> <laughs> See, everybody did the same thing. I think right. Columbia House knew. In college, that is how I got all my albums. Come on now. I don't understand why this Joe Blow guy keeps <laughs> keeps reordering <laughs> Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast. <laughs> so that's the next album, Number of the Beast, Iron Maiden. Their third album came out in 82. This is the one that has Run to the Hills on it. Run to the Hills is on it. Yeah. Wow. 82. I mean, that's amazing. So what's okay, here's what's interesting is tomorrow I'm actually interviewing Bruce Dickinson, the oh. singer of Iron Maiden. Um, so I'm doing an interview, so I've been doing a lot of prep work. It's kind of like I said, you know, listen, I've always enjoyed music, but I didn't always deep dive on bands, right? And so now I'm doing an interview and I was like, ooh, gotta get my Iron Maiden facts, you know, need to, need to be able to rattle off some, some stuff. I was so surprised to find out that they are one of the bands, and there are not many, that have sold over 100 million albums worldwide. And they just did not have the television and like radio support that a lot of these other bands like. Not surprised that Led Zeppelin and the Beatles have over 100 million in, in Elvis, but Iron Maiden, like, whoa, they're they're the epitome of like a grassroots band back in the day, right? Yeah. And what's interesting about them is that they're probably huger now than they were at their pinnacle. I, I mean, I would definitely say Urban Outfitters and T-shirts uh, have helped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, listen, we can turn this episode into an Iron Maiden episode and give you all the facts you need to know about Bruce. No problem. I mean, <laughs> email me your questions as soon as we're done. Let me do my home. Just tell me what I'm supposed to say tomorrow. That'd be great. Questions? Hell, we got the answers for you. <laughs> I need to make it a conversation. I can't just tell him about him. I need him to answer. So, Damn, that's what we've been doing wrong all this time, Sonny. Yeah. I left alone. My mind was blank. I needed time to think to get the memories from my mind. What did I see? Can I believe that what I saw that night was real and not just fantasy? Just what I saw in my old dreams were the reflections of my woman staring back at me. Cause in my dreams, it's all Twist back, was no use holding 
now, although it's possible that people did not even see Judas Priest until 1982, they released their eighth album, Screaming for Vengeance, in 82. This is the one that has Electric Eye. you got another thing yeah. coming on. I uh, did not grow up a Judas Priest fan. It's uh, that's, uh-huh. uh, I blame my parents. <laughs> I was not exposed. <laughs> and that is just a shame because Screaming for Vengeance, my favorite Priest album. Awesome. All right. All right. That, I shall, uh, I'll do my homework. Katie, are you a Kiss fan at all? Because Creatures of the Night came out this year. I am a huge fan of Kiss as a business model. I, I mean, come on. Like, it's one thing that, sure, they put on a great show and they have rad music. But, wow. I mean, these guys, I hope every business class at a rockin' university is talking about, you know, Kiss 101. They're just amazing. It's just so amazing what they have done. And just to be so financially successful, face painting. And now it's like these guys, I mean, listen love me some Rolling Stones, but you know, sometimes you look at them and you're like, Oh, you guys just are really old, <laughs> but you look at kiss and it, you know, you're like, I oh, still look great. Cause I can't see. <laughs> Makeup does wonders. Makeup does wonders. That's the lesson we've learned. Much like the blue man group, they can continue forever and you'll never know the difference. I do wonder, come on, there's gotta be nice for someone who's like, I just not can not tonight, Geraldine. And like, they put on a substitute and didn't tell anyone, you know, just kind of like the, body double went in there that night yeah the kiss fans would know <laughs> that's true yeah so not sure if this made your top 10 debuts of 82 because it's a little bit deeper but you have had jack blades on the show night ranger dawn patrol came out this year don't did, tell me you love me did, and um it did not make our list the viewers didn't vote it but that being said jack blades is on this episode does talk about the other albums and gives us a deep cut talking about this album that we use for our segment called the cutting room floor um and so it's a digital exclusive so you get to actually hear his take on it a little bit so yeah ozzy osbourne speak of the devil live came out this year now have you ever tried to have ozzy on the show would anybody understand what he's saying Uh, we have not had ozzy on the show but we've had jack osbourne his son on the show so uh i mean it's pretty pretty close right almost the same thing eh you've had zach on Oh, yeah, that's close, too, I guess. Uh, No, I've had Zach on my other show, At Home and Social, where I do my interviews, um, but I've never had Zach on the top 10. Oh, you you should. That dude is great. I've tried. I've tried. He's great to just. Oh, well, you know, you've well, already I love, talked I love to him. Everyone. He'll be like, brother, brother, study, brother, study, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. sister Katie. I just Father Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Are the, the Rainbow albums, because they released their sixth album straight between the eyes this year, Rainbow, Deep Purple, Too Old? Did listen to them or did you ever get into them? No, uh, that was stuff that I kind of discovered later on in life. But yeah, yeah, yeah. My, par- my parents didn't go too hard. <laughs> yeah. How about the rushes of the world? Signals came out this year. I'm not a huge Rush fan, but sounds like you might be. Oh, my God. Okay. So I became a Rush fan. I used to like hate and despise Rush. I was like, that voice is so annoying. And I just, all the cliche stuff of why are all these dudes loving Rush? But as I do and listen to classic rock in the car, as I've told you, when I was pregnant, it seemed like Rush came on the radio every time I was driving. And my baby, I didn't know if I was having a boy or a girl. So my son now. So my son would kick up a storm anytime Rush came on. And he was not an active baby. It was really weird. Like I go all day and be like, I hope this thing's alive in there. And like you put on Rush and he would go wild. So I thought, well, you know, I need to start listening to more Rush. Now, mind you, maybe he hated Rush and was telling me to change the channel, but I took it as a positive thing. So I started listening to a lot more Rush when I was pregnant. It even inspired me to book a Rush tribute band on the world's greatest tribute bands. And I have since really grown fond of Rush. 
Good woman. <laughs> we were talking about Sammy Hagar a little earlier. Three Lock Box came out this year. Seventh album. I mean, the Red Rock. One, two, three Lock Box. Yeah. He, he and I, I think, have the same hairstylist. I mean, look at this stuff. <laughs> His doesn't look as good as yours does right now. Thank you. Thank you. I put in the time. You guys know it. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a Scorpions fan at all? They released their eighth album this year. Blackout. I'm interviewing the Scorpions in a couple of weeks. Just Klaus, I believe. But yeah, super psyched for And they have a new album coming out in 2022, right? Or did it already drop? No, it's coming out in 2022. Yeah. Hello, Katie. This is Claus Mine. We are the Scorpions. We are the Scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you're a Van Halen fan. Diver Down came out this year. Van, I mean, listen, <laughs> I love Sammy Hagar. Don't get me wrong, okay? Oh. Someone asked me this the other day. They're like, you know, is there room for the, like, listen, I think that Van Halen is Van Halen. Sammy did some time there. I like Sammy solo. So I don't feel like it's an argument as to who's better. I'm like, I, Sammy's just a solo guy. Like, the, Sammy is Sammy. He did this stint over here, but Stan- Sammy's amazing over here. And I like him in this lane. David Lee Roth. Oh, the- <laughs> <laughs> Love him. You got- I, went, I actually went to, I think it was their one of their last shows together when they did the tour in 2015. They played at the Hollywood Bowl. And I may have been, may have been the last night of the show. Uh, and I went, I was nine months pregnant. We're in an outdoor event and everything. And, and my girlfriends were like, hey, you know, you're the last trimester. You're doing like three weeks. We're going to, you know, get you a glass of champagne. I was like, okay, okay, glass of champagne, right? And, but then this lady behind me lit up a cigarette and started smoking. And my friend turned around and was like, my friend is pregnant. You need to put that thing out. And like, she looks over at me and I'm full on holding a glass of champagne. I was like, you guys, you like wearing a bit of a glass house right now. <laughs> I shouldn't get in a fight. That's like the strike number three at that point. Secondhand smoke, a glass of champagne and a, a brawl at a rock show. Come on, you guys. I think that that Hollywood Bowl show may have been their actual last show ever. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, it's out there on YouTube, but yeah, I think so. Wow. Lucky you. Oh, yes. Depending on where you grew up, you might not know this band. It's the last band we're going to talk about. Y&T. Ever heard of them? Summertime Girls? No, I don't think so. Yeah. They're one of those bands that, uh, you know, they got kind of a loyal fan base. I own everything they have. Do you have a band mm-hmm. that you own literally everything? Try to go see them all the time. You have bootlegs. So I've got a lot, believe it or not, of, um, it's a band called Blue October. They're from Dallas, Texas. You know, I interviewed them way back in the day. And so I really liked talking to the guys. Like their music is great, but I really liked them. And so then I became a very big fan of them and their story and, you know, the journey that uh, their lead singer has gone through with his recovery and everything. So I think like that would be like if someone was flipping through my CD case of some sort, they'd be like, wait, what's this? And why do you have so much of it? Yeah, that's cool. I don't think I've ever heard Blue October. What kind of music is it? Oh, it's like alt rock. I would recommend if you were to go find a track from Blue October, I would put on the song Calling You and then Hate Me. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I will try it. I have to block out thoughts of you so I don't lose my head. They're crawling like a cockroach leaving babies in my bed. Dropping little reels of tape to remind me that I'm alone. Playing movies in my head that make a porno feel like home. There's a burning in my pride A nervous bleeding in my brain An ounce of peace is all I want for you Will you never call again? And will you never say that you loved me Just to put it in my face? And will you never try to reach me? It is I that want to save me today
accomplishment that you helped me with The one thing that always tore us apart Is the one thing I won't touch again In my sick way I wanna thank you For holding my head up late at night While I was busy waging wars on myself You were trying to stop the fight You never doubted my warped opinions On things like suicidal hate You made me compliment myself When it was way too hard to take Katie, I got to ask you this. With your career, have you ever pitched the network an idea and the network was like, hell no, we're not doing that? Oh, a thousand ideas. Back in the day, like I remember um, Mark Cuban ruined Thanksgiving for everyone one year when we were all doing this show that was failing. And he basically emailed on like Thanksgiving Eve and was like, this show is canceled. We're not doing it anymore. Effective immediately. I need everyone's ideas by Monday. And so like everyone had to start pitching things. And it was literally Wednesday, you know, Thanksgiving Eve. And it's just like, so, you know, you just start throwing things at the wall. What's great about with Mark is you don't have to pitch him like a traditional like Netflix or something where you need a whole deck and a reel and all this stuff. I mean, he wants like the two sentence, like, what's the idea? What's the show name? What's the idea? So I've probably sent Mark a hundred ideas over the last, you know, 20 years and, you know. (laughs) I'm lucky that I've had like four or five good ones and I've been able to make a career at the network out of those ones that he liked and chose. Have you ever learned an invaluable lesson from someone that you've taken with you and 
continue to use? I mean, I feel like I learn lessons all the time, obviously. I feel like I learn lessons when I make a lot of mistakes, as most of us do. I think I've learned a lot about uh, not showing up to work drunk. No, I'm just joking. I haven't learned that lesson yet. Uh, Uh, Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. You know, I think one thing that I think all of us need to, a lesson that I'm still trying to learn right now is separating work and family and, you know, turning off the computer and saying no, and it's okay to say no. It is okay to say no uh, to taking on more work and not being afraid of, you know, what I'm going to say if I say I'm too busy. And so, you know, kind of drawing those boundaries, I suppose. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. So Katie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Tell everybody where they can reach you and also the Top 10 Reveal, which comes on Sunday nights at 8 p.m., all the way through February 13th on Access TV, correct? That's right. Yeah, it's on Access TV. But if you miss an episode, you can download our app for free. You can go to our website. We've got a bunch of them up there. Um, it's just, you know, the top 10 revealed. If you want to uh, check out some of my other stuff, I do a lot of other shows for the network that are on their digital platforms. So I have a, a series that's every week called At Home and Social, where like that interview with Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden will live and, you know, interviews with people like Zach Wilde or Belinda Carlisle or Carney Wilson or Nancy Wilson um, from Heart. So I've got a lot of those up there. I do a weekly music news show that's on uh, Fridays on Access TV called The Music High Five. So if you need a recap in five minutes or less of what's been going on in the industry, that's a great one to try out. All this stuff, I usually like tweet or Facebook or kind of publicize it on my digital pages. And those are all katiedarrell.com is my website, but it's katiedarrell as the the, uh, handle. And what's cool is everything's a little bit different. I don't use that like app that like I post it once and it kind of just goes to Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I individually post on each one. So everything's a little bit different usually. Katie, thanks so much once again. I feel like again. you're laughing at me. Did you just end the interview by laughing at me? No, we're not done yet. We can continue to rock. I was going to say, you want to share your phone number, your email I mean, address? Right? Yeah. address? <laughs> I mean, I'll have my Venmo. You guys want to want to Venmo? Yeah, I'll do that. Katie, we assure you this: once we get off this phone, you'll know how to reach out to us when you have questions about Bruce Dickinson and other rock stars. Do you have a question for Bruce? Like, should I bring Bruce a question? Steve, yeah, in, in Hollywood, want to know. Yeah, he's touring and he's the doing some sort word. of book reading or the spoken word. Like, yeah. where did that come from? And is he like preaching to us or is he reading to us or no, nursery rhyme? So that's that's why I'm interviewing him. And so they specifically said like your interview has to be about this spoken word tour. Um, yeah, you can ask a couple Iron Maiden questions, but like the emphasis is on this spoken word. It's a night with Bruce Dickinson. And I mean, it's him talking about everything for not just Maiden, but like how he's a pilot and like he would fly like the band airplane and like he's like a champion fencer and like he's got a lot of like weird stuff and so he tells all these stories with humor and he talks about the highs and the lows of being in the band but then what i really like is that they do have a q a at the end of it apparently and no questions are you know out of bounds the weirder the better they say um, so I like the opportunity that like each show should, you know, essentially be different than the last. Um, but then again, you never know when people are submitting questions. They probably, you know. And he's a cancer survivor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. Now, Kate, you and Bruce have something in common. You just don't know it yet. So you tell that radio station they hired the wrong person. Paul Deano is the singer of Iron Maiden. He sees them live. They're opening for his band. He went to Steve Harris and said, 
I can sing better than that guy. You should hire me. And that's yeah. how we got in the band. Yeah. There you go. So you have something I love common. It. See? You're learning. <laughs> there you go. I talked to these two nerds the other day, Bruce, yeah, and they told exactly. me you started on the third album. Oh, you guys, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was a good chat. Thanks. I hope you had fun. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right. Well, stay safe and thanks for having me. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shot? Would they shot? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.